You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. International success coach and noted author, Constance Arnold, delivers life-changing strategies through her own spiritual practices, as well as with best-selling authors and experts that she interviews. Think, Believe, and Manifest is specially designed to empower your mind and words to work for you and to bring about a life you've been dreaming of. And now, here's Constance Arnold. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. And I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe, and Manifest talk show. And today, I am broadcasting from a simply magnificent, beautiful blue skies, Atlanta, Georgia, Guess what? I'm so grateful that you made a decision to join me today from all over the world. And I can truly say that I believe that it is a setup. That's right. The spirit of God has attracted you here so that you can receive the download. That one download, that one thing, that one missing piece of the puzzle that you've been searching for so that you can begin living an extraordinary life. And that's what we all desire, right? Well, how are you doing? Uh, It is a magnificent fall day, finally, here in Atlanta. So beautiful. The leaves are just beginning to turn colors and the humidity is so low. And guess what? I am so excited. This is really my favorite time of the year. Well, I am doing great and uh, have had a, a very powerful week and I have an awesome show for you today. Are you ready? Drum roll, peep, please. I got that out. My special guest is Dr. Dennis Kimbrough and he is on my show for the fourth time. And if you don't know who he is, you can Google his name as I go through my introduction. He's going to be talking about how his book, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, was featured uh, in the movie chronicling how powerful the whole concept of Think and Grow Rich is. And so if you haven't seen the movie Uh, It was a phenomenal success in 2017. And I think you can go on YouTube and look at the full movie. And boy, if you want to know about wealth and money and millionaires and billionaires, then Dr. Kimbrough is your man. And call your friends and share this show with them because I can't wait to hear what he has to say. So let's see, what else do I want to talk to you? Let me talk to you about my social media. You can follow me on Twitter, L-O-A Constance. Facebook, Coach with Constance. Instagram, C-L Arnold 1-1. And YouTube. Okay, guys, I want all of you guys to hit stop right now. No, wait till I finish this. <laughs> but after I finish this, I want you to go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I have videos there there for you. I have some daily tips 
and I have some of the shows uploaded and uh, you will be inspired and changed. So just go to YouTube and type in my name and then subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm also going to start doing so that I can be more connected with you monthly coaching calls. So that means that I'm going to be online. I probably would do it either Facebook or YouTube, probably in the evenings, maybe seven or eight Eastern Standard Time. And I'm going to be taking your questions and I'm going to be answering your questions and just doing a little teaching and a little group coaching. So I really want you to really listen out for that. And then do you have any awesome testimonies about how your life has changed since you've been listening to the show? What about something that you manifested uh, by uh, utilizing the law of attraction, uh, visualization, affirmations. Guess what? I want to hear about it. And the world wants to hear about it. So email me what your testimony is, and I will give you a short call, and we will chat about it. And if you feel comfortable... You can come on the show and really just share your testimony. And you know, something very powerful about sharing a testimony is this. The more you share, the more comes to you. Because really, the Bible talks about faith comes by hearing. And so the more you hear, this is what happens. The more you hear, this person manifested a house. The more you hear, then you will gain faith for yourself and for the person who's sharing, it will come back to you. Okay, so email me at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Let me see, is there anything else I want to say? I want to talk a little bit about my coaching. You know, somebody asked me the other day, do you do business coaching? I think they asked me, what was the most, um, what, what would you say is your expertise? And, and I would say, I feel that uh, I have been in business, I would say business, <clears throat> and then helping people to identify their stuff and creating strategies uh, in the in the personal area. So one is business and then the other one is helping people personally. So I realized that I have been in business for 19 years. That's amazing, isn't it? And so... That has really made me, I feel, a master in the area of business. And, you know, just like um, Tiger Woods, I mean, he's had a slump for a couple of years, but I think he had something like 80-something wins. He he has been a master with golf, you know, and um, other people in basketball and football, you know, they have mastered their sport. And so... After 19 years, I've had to reinvent myself, <laughs> uh, kind of like Tina Turner at 58. She had to reinvent herself. I've had to change methods, the way I do things. I've had to change strategies. And I've really had to align with the current trends and really um, implement forward thinking. I've been through feast or famine. I mean, I've made so much money. It was like crazy. 
and then there were periods when I did not. So I feel that I'm really great with coaching in business because I probably have experienced everything in 19 years that a business goes through. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, just every single thing. So basically, I started out with a $100,000 contract. I was so excited. I had never made $100,000. And I traveled all over the state of Georgia, training people who have who had been displaced from their jobs. So I was helping them with a lot of stuff. And that was really exciting. And then somebody saw me and they said, well, I want you to start doing leadership training. Okay, that's an example of a switch in my business. So instead of training people who had been displaced, I started doing leadership training. I created, developed, implemented, and taught curriculums. And they had to be customized and personalized according to the organization's uh, mission statement. So that's once again a shift in business. And then that sort of changed. And then I started doing executive coaching because I saw that when I was doing um, the leadership training that a lot of people didn't know how to really communicate. The supervisors and the VPs, they had issues with really communicating with people. So I did one-on-one coaching, what they call exec coaching with clients with probably very, what some people would say, high-powered execs because they didn't feel comfortable, you know, uh, maybe going within the company and sharing that. So can you see how my business just went through those different phases? Many of those years, I made lots of money. Some of those years, because at the very beginning, I was not managing my money properly, it was like famine. So I don't believe in feast or famine anymore. I believe in just feasting, that there can always be abundance. And then when people heard me um, speak and do small groups, they said, wow, I want you to be the keynote speaker. So I began doing a lot of keynote flying into organizations, doing keynote, keynote plus. And keynote plus simply means I may be the keynote speaker and then the next day I may train just a small group of people. And so then by God, the Internet came up. And instead of people coming in to see me for coaching or counseling, I began to use Zoom and FaceTime and uh, and whatever else, Messenger, whatever else is available, and then social media. And so can you see how over those 19 years, I've had to make shifts. I've had to change. And so I'm just saying... If you are a business owner or you are in the process of uh, starting your online business, I believe that I'm a master at it. So, a lot of stuff I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I don't know, but I do know about money and business. I do know about how to change your mindset and your thinking, etc. So if you feel aligned with me, if you feel like you vibe with me, if you feel like you get me 
and you're willing to do the work, then contact me. You know, I, I had somebody who said um, they wanted to coach with me and do their own thing. And so I coached with them one time and they said, well, I don't want to do it that way. And I said to them, well, we're not a match then. And it's not that I'm trying to be an autocrat, but a coach can tell you things in 20 minutes or two sessions what it took her or him 20 years. And so I just wanted to kind of expound on my uh, business coaching side. Uh, I know a lot about business plans and uh, getting funds for for your business projects and the Small Business Administration, etc. So contact me at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com and uh, go to, go on my website, everybody. And if this show, I'm not going to say if because I know it is. I know this show is a a, a blessing that is nurturing your soul, that is feeding your spirit, then why not make a donation? You can hit the a red donate button. And I am thanking you in advance for that. And let me see, is there anything else that I want to say? I don't think so. The only thing I'm going to say to you is between now and the commercial break, you need to get you out a piece of paper, get your pad out, get your journal out, get your ink pen out, get your uh, your iPhone out, and you really need to open your spirit up in the area of wealth and, and money and, and think and grow rich and how you can begin to align yourself with those universal principles. Because the great thing about universal principles is that those principles will work for anybody who will work them. Because truly, God is not a respecter of person. Hey guys, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, let's go to these quick commercials and then I'm going to be back welcoming Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. So stay tuned, everybody. Do you have an upcoming event where you need a dynamic speaker? Constance Arnold is a sought-after keynote speaker that will enlighten the entire audience with proven strategies that are aligned with your organization's vision and mission. An experienced speaker for major Fortune 500 companies, Constance has entertained audiences with inspiring change. Constance would love to make your next event an extraordinary success. Contact her today at Constance at FulfillingYourPurpose.com. For the past 30 years, Constance Arnold has coached clients globally in the areas of relationships, wealth, and career. Her vast clinical background gives her extraordinary understanding of human behavior to accelerate manifestation. Every coaching client receives proven action plans to create change from the inside out. Constance will be right by your side. Talk to her today at Constance at FulfillingYourPurpose.com. Okay, guys, well, I'm back and I'm really, 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 really excited about my guest today. 
we have with us the one and only back again, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. And for those of you who may have been under a rock somewhere, he is the author of The Wealth Choice, Secrets of Black Millionaires, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, uh, What Makes the Great, Great Daily Motivations for African-American Success. He's a professor at Clark Atlanta University, my alumni, and recently, I always knew he was a celebrity, but recently, uh-huh. Dr. Kimbrough and his work was featured in the movie Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. So we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about that and the principle shared. So once again, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, welcome to the Think, Believe, and Manifest talk show. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm switching between Zoom, Zencast, <laughs> Skype. Every, everybody's got their own flavor. I had a, an hour uh, interview yesterday, and it was Zoom, and I thought it was Skype. and this, uh, But we're good to go. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Constance? I'm amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So recently, tell everybody about the movie, uh, Think and Grow Rich, uh, The Legacy. How did that come about? How did you feel about that? Your book and your work was featured. Tell us about that. Well, you know, uh, Don Green, who is executive director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, uh, he received, um, you know, a couple of phone calls and some emails regarding a team out in the San Diego area that says, uh, you know, this would make a great, um, not only story, um, but it would make a great movie if we could take all the people who's been impacted by Napoleon Hill's writings. And they set out a list, their initial list is about 30 individuals that they wanted to be a, a part of uh, the movie. So my name was on the list and I flew out to San Diego, spent a couple of days and, you know, they in, uh, interviewed me off an item. And then after that, I had more interviews on the phone and they wanted me to share like the top story in which Napoleon Hill's principles really impacted my life. So. I was uh, honored to be a part of that because you had some uh, high-powered uh, individuals that, you know, when Napoleon Hill came out with the original Think and Grow Rich, uh, they used that as a springboard to their life. And that book, more than 15 million copies in print, and he had that spin off that became the book that I worked on, more than a million copies in print. So I'm just mm. blessed. Wow. And so, you know, I was on Amazon and I was just looking uh, at your books and I saw Think and Grow Rich a Black Choice. I saw Napoleon, Dennis Kimbrough, Napoleon Hill. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's amazing to see that. What What does that feel like to you? Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm always grateful and I never want to take anything for granted because, I mean, Constance, you know, everybody is connected by a thin thread, a, a, a minor change, a minor adjustment. And maybe me and the Napoleon Hill Foundation would have been two ships passing in the night. But it was all predicated um, on the first book that I was writing, What Makes the Great Great. And at that time, Constance, the uh, the um, executive editor for Success Magazine was a gentleman by the name of Scott DeGarmo. And if he didn't call me up and ask me to write a series of articles for him, um, nothing would have ever happened. Because when he called me up, he caught wind of that I was going around the country interviewing successful African-Americans. And um, he said, tell me about it. And I, I shared some of the folks who I interviewed. And he said, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and send you my manuscript. And I sent the manuscript. 
he's bouncing off the ceiling. He's saying, man, you got to write some articles for us. And I said, no, just take anything that you want out of there. No, we like your writing style and blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. So I wrote the article and lo and behold, it made, made it to the desk of W. Clement Stone and the rest of my life changed forever. Wow. And just thinking, I just want to give this little principle to listeners. Dr. Kimbrough, you were doing something with the gift that you had. You were not sitting back just waiting. No, no, not, not at all. I was in, I guess when, um, Napoleon, when W. Clement Stone called me, I was in year three. So uh, I knew what I had my hands on. I I knew that there was an underrepresented target audience for this book. I mean, because, Constance, you go back to the early 1980s and even today, I probably sell more books between Think and Grow Rich, a Black Choice and The Wealth Choice by default because there's not that many business books targeted for the African-American audience. And so. It was even less than that in the early 1980s. And I knew, I said, let me just see where that's going to develop. And I remember distinctively, I looked at all the folks, particularly on the business angle that I want to interview. And at that time, at the top of the pecking order was John Johnson, you know, the founder of Mm -hmm. Ebony Magazine. And I told my wife, it took me two more than two years to interview him, but I wasn't going to quit. I said, if I get him, Everybody else will fall in line because Constance, what they were doing is uh, they didn't know me from Adam or tell me who you interviewed. Mm-hmm. And, and then after I told them that I spent an hour up in Chicago with John Johnson, it was like game over. Everybody, yeah. everybody fell in line. Wow. So I want you to refresh us, remind us, Dr. Kimbrough, of some of the principles that the movie shared that people can, you know, Say, oh, okay, I, I need to do more of that. So what are some principles of thinking grow rich that you can share with the listeners? Well, um, they took the, uh, you know, Napoleon Hill had his 17 and they called it down to about 12 or 15. But um, the, the top four or five and they wanted everybody that they interviewed to be able to speak on one specific um principle mm-hmm. but if you if you if you look at his principles everything definiteness of purpose okay number one and he tells you and within that chapter of definiteness of purpose he outlines everything that well basically what you just need to know if you didn't read the other 16 principles or you didn't read the other he says he came up with five of them Actually, definite as a purpose, mastermind, applied faith, going the extra mile. He said, if you just focus on these four, you don't have to worry about, you know, five through 17. Mm-hmm. And and he said, there is a secret within this first chapter. And he tells you, I mentioned it several times. And when you find the secret, you know, that will probably be the most important day of your life. And what is that secret? It was the plan that Andrew Carnegie told Napoleon Hill how all of his peers, you know, became, you know, uh, financially free, developed worth, peak performing men and women. Number one, you got to decide mm-hmm. what is it you want to do? Okay, so you want a job in the media, you want a job in sports and entertainment, you want a job, uh, you know, uh, selling Xerox office equipment on the street, you want to, you know, you want to make X amount of dollars, but you've got to decide, suppose it is X amount of dollars, I want to be a millionaire. Well, number one, Napoleon Hill tells you decide, 
Number two, what are you going to give up for this million dollars? Hmm. You know, what are you going to get? Are you going to give up time? Are you going to give up, you know, or are you going to take time away from your J-O-B and say, hey, listen, I'm going to just spend 10 hours a day, you know, blah, 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 doing X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Number three, what is your plan? Okay, so number one, you desire that you want the money. And number two, well, you know, what are you going to give up? Number three, what is a plan? You plan your work and you work your plan. Number four, what is the time limit? I mean, you, you are you going to give it 10 years? You're going to give it five years? When are you going to have this money in your possession? Number five, Constance, write it down. Hmm. Write all four, excuse me, five of those steps down. And then number six, read it first thing in the morning and read it last thing at night before you retire. That's basically all it is. And do, you, do you still do that? Do you still uh, write uh, down... Uh, I'm glad you said that. Let me go right over here. Okay. <laughs> Bang. There there it is. There it is. I'm, I'm going to go real fast. So, yep. Here it is. I'm holding it up right there. Those are my seven objectives. And what was the first thing I did when I woke up this morning? You. I read it. Yeah. What's the last image my eyeball saw last night before I put my head on that pillow? So if it worked for Carnegie and it worked for Hill and it worked for the more than 500 folks that Hill interviewed, all peak performers, all wealth creators, why in the world would I change anything? Why in the world would I try to reinvent the wheel? Right. You know, I know uh, uh, on the movie, because I watched it the other day, you talked about burning desire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Expound on that a little bit, because, you know, reality TV and everybody wants a quick fix and I want to be a baller and have all of this money. But what do you mean by burning desire? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, you said a quick fix. When I look at the landscape of my life, okay, here I am, I'll be 68 in, uh, in two months. And, uh, God willing, I take care of myself. I, I walk, I lift weights, I do this, I do that. If I have another 20 years, Okay, so suppose I live to be 80. Suppose I live to be 84. When you do the calculus, Constance, it only took me seven years of the 84 to change my life forever. Mm. So that really is, you know, a quick fix. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, God willing, all the nonsense that I went through for seven years, I never have to go through it again. I never have to put up with the nonsense. I never have to put up with the indecency of doing this and doing that again. And that is, you know, so I just wanted to clarify that. But you asked, you, you know, you asked a, a, about a, burning great, desire. a great question about burning desire. And the critical difference is, is that a burning desire is an inner candle. It's an inner flame that cannot be extinguished. And my burning desire was this book. To finish this book. And I, you know, okay, I had, you know, ideas and dreams. Well, maybe it'll sell a few copies and maybe it'll do well. But the burning desire was I drew up that list of individuals who I was going to interview. I mean, that's the way I was taught in graduate school. You know, you have nothing till you have data. And here's the data. Here's all the interviews. This is what they told me. All right. Put it in a book and throw it out on the marketplace. So the desire was done. And I'm glad you brought that up, Consul, because I don't believe that I told you after the book was published, you know, I mean, but, you know, right before the book was published, 
I didn't know the next chapter of my life. I said, well, I guess I got to go get a job. So I had uh, I had several job offers going back to what I was doing before as a consultant. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a matter of fact, I got a job offer from A.T. Carney, who at that time was number four in the nation in terms of consulting. So I was about to accept a job in the New York, you know, New Jersey area. But as soon as that book was released, I mean, Constance, the book was released on a Tuesday, Wednesday, I got a phone call from Lou Holtz, the head football coach at Notre Dame. How in the world he got that book that quick? Mm-hmm. And, and the next week he had me up in South Bend speaking to his football team. Before that week, before that week was out, I got a phone call from my publicist saying, you're going to be on the Today Show. Mm-hmm. And this, this occurred all within 11 day period. And after I was on the Today Show conference, it was game over. Yeah, it was it. Wow. It, it was officially, you know, less than one month from today's show was Larry King. You put those two together and it was a household name. Wow. And, you know, and one thing that you really exhibited was your persistence. I was thinking about you before I got on the call today. And I just remember some of the stories and some of the stuff you went through. So for listeners who might have a goal and they feel like they're going through stuff, expound on just persistence a little bit for us. Yeah, persistence is nothing more but the level of belief in yourself. And the the, the, the key to persistence, you know, like uh, uh, the key to persistence is, you know, you know that you're going to persist if you just ask this one question. What can I do better next time? Mm. You know, uh, persistence and perseverance, that's all predicated on, you know, you know, do you believe? Do you think that you're capable? Just because you hit a roadblock and just because what you seem as failure isn't as failure as such. Why? Because conscious, we are the only individuals who keep score. Mm. I mean, you know, just like John Johnson, we mentioned John Johnson. He told me. That the first no of the day means good morning. Nothing was going to stop him from persisting. Mm. You know, even when I interviewed Earl Graves, the publisher of Black Magazine, you know, whenever he hit a roadblock or whatever, he said, you know, okay, let me think of this at a different angle. And it's usually, you know, W. Clement Stone says that when you hit that challenge, when you hit that adversity, when you hit that roadblock, there is always a seed of an equally benefit, you know, in that adversity to you. And I think about all the products in, and even the folks who I interviewed. I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Lee Durham. His story is in Think and Grow Rich and Black Choice. He was one of the first African-American owner operators of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And one of his McDonald's, his initial McDonald's was in Harlem. And, you know, he shared when the, before the gentrification of Harlem, he shared all the challenges and problems that he had. Guys coming in, holding the place up. You know, the safe was blown open like three times within the first 60 days that he had his, his, uh, his, um, owner, his, uh, I was about to say his franchise and whatever. Mm-hmm. And one time during lunch hour, you know, a couple of robbers came in and held people up while they were, while they were eating lunch. And he said, how in the world? Can I get my customers in and out of my franchise without being accosted? And he was the individual who came up with the drive through window. I wow. mean, and, and you only got a handful of people that know that. It was Lee Dunham in New York, an African-American franchisee owner operator who came up with the drive through window at McDonald's. You check into these hotels and when you step out the room of the hotel and you look on the floor as you walk out of your, you know, your bedroom, 
you know, what's there? Well, it's the Wall Street Journal, it's the New York Times, whatever. That whole process was started with Earl Graves. When he, when, when he developed black, when he came up with Black Enterprise magazine and he had all these thousands of magazines, you know, produced, you know, monthly magazines produced and he didn't have a customer base. So he and his three sons snuck into hotels in New York and placed it at the in front of the door, you know, of every room in the hotel until they told him to stop, man, you got to get out of here and whatever. Now we just take it for granted that we see that whenever we check in, or whenever we leave a hotel in the morning. But there's an equal benefit in that process of persisting. Those are amazing stories. So for <laughs> so for listeners, you know, whenever I interview you, I'm always changed. <laughs> I'm like, wow, because you share such universal principles. So so you kind of know the landscape globally of what's happening now, Dr. Kimbrough. So for listeners, what other principles do you feel like that people really need to begin to take a look at and implement in their lives? Well, number one, you know, there's so much opportunity out here today because you got a wellspring of ideas. The average individual in our society gets four ideas a year, any one of which, you know, if you had the courage, if you had the fortitude, if you had the burning desire to chase your dream, it might make you financially independent. But here's the thing. There are 21 different ways to market or sell a product or service. So let's look at number 21, which is the Internet. Every time, and we just take it for granted, Every time we pick up the cell phone, as soon as we go online, Constance, there are four billion other people online with you. Wow. I mean, you got an audience of four billion people. So just the idea that you would come up with an idea, that you would come up with a new innovation, whatever, don't tell me what can or cannot be done. Okay, I got three grandchildren. Mm-hmm. My oldest my oldest will be sixteen in a couple of months, and my youngest turned five in August. And I know, all right, my oldest and my middle granddaughter, they will probably drive in their lifetime a gas-powered car. But I know that my five-year-old grandson will never drive a gas-powered car. Because you look at what Elon Musk is doing, you know, you know, you know, with the engine. And, and here's, and here's the whole thing, you know, Elon Musk, his claim to fame is not that he came up with the solar power, the battery powered car. Elon Musk's claim to fame is that two things that he has on the burner right now, number one, solar panels on the top of your roof. Forget my five-year-old grandson driving, you know, a gas-powered car. He'll never live in a house that he that he may buy as an adult that has any type of utility wires. Mm-hmm. Everything will be solar-powered. And then he'll probably live in a house in which you have Internet that you don't even have to pay for. That's the opportunity that we have today. So the the question that we have to ask is, what are my strengths? You know, what is my area of excellence and how can I capitalize on it? You know, we all have an area of excellence and we all have unique strengths. Sooner or later, you got to become introspective and take the time of the day and embrace the silence, Constance. Get away from the noise. Get away from the chaos and confusion. Go to your little prayer closet and think, what do I want to do with my life? Hmm. And so for a listener anywhere in Africa, in in the bush, anywhere, because of the global market, People can change without a doubt. And those are the some of the areas in which they are becoming real tech savvy. 
I mean, when you look at Nigerian women, you know, you have a, a higher rate of Nigerian women who have turned to entrepreneurship than black women here in the United States. And they do it and they do and they do it by necessity. You know, so, I mean, we just got to think of all the all the the tools that, that we might need, you know, for an entrepreneurial endeavor or for, for you just to put your life on the fast track. Number one. Going back to finding your area of excellence. Number one, what do I love to do? What do I have a passion for? Number two, what would I do for free? Number three, what is my area of unfair competitive advantage? I know my area of unfair competitive advantage. I'm saying to the listeners out there, do you know yours? And you don't, and you don't have to be an expert in 50 million. I mean, you gotta be, we gotta be focusing on total craft mastery, SME, subject matter expert. And I'm only a subject matter expert in only a couple of areas. Number one, leadership. Number two, wealth, particularly from the African-American standpoint. There are 50 million things I don't know anything about, but I know my subject matter in this particular area. And when you are the best at what you do, you never have to worry about income and you never have to worry about employment. But it goes back to Napoleon Hill. What is it that you want to do? What do you desire? Decide now. At the counter of success, there are no bargains. You must pay the price in advance and in full. So, Dr. Kimbrough, initially, did you uh, do your services pro bono because you wanted to get in front of people? What about listeners who have a great idea, great service or product? I've had this question asked me before. Should they begin to pro bono that so that they can get the exposure and have the platform? What's your thinking on that? Well, it's, it'll never be pro bono because you can't give it away. Mm-hmm. You're giving your, you're giving yourself in service to others. You just think that, oh, I give it away and I didn't get anything in return. It's already on its way back to you. It's in your pocket right now. And, you know, does, divine love has met and will always meet every human need. And it'll come in 50 million different forms. You can't, you can't outgive the creator. You go, go go ahead and you read Adam Smith's Wealth and Nation, and he constantly talks about IH. And Adam Smith, I mean, what in the world was it? He was a transcendentalist. He was an existentialist, okay? Why is, what is he talking about? What is IH that he constantly harps on? Well, IH is invisible hand. You can't outgive the creator. And then here I am, you know, and I, and I had so many speaking engagements when word got around long before the book was ever published. And I didn't charge anybody. What, what did I know? And I'm so glad you brought that up, Constance, because okay. la- last week I received an email and a follow-up phone call um, from a group of individuals who are having a conference in the Atlanta area for in- uh, aspiring public speakers. All right. Mm-hmm. I received so many letters, so many emails, so many phone calls where folks are, man, Dr. Kimber, I want to do exactly what you want to do. And my reply is, oh, you want to teach? No, I don't want to teach. Um, you want to write? No, I don't want to write. And I say, well, what in the world do I do that you want to do? I want to speak. And then I tell them. So they called me up and they said, well, you come down here. Um, you know, we have aspiring speakers and this and that. And you got 50 million of these. Um, you know, events across the country right. where folks who want to speak and they're going to be multimillionaires and they're mm-hmm. going to crush the stage and all this. And I said to him, I said, well, I don't know. They made the, if they want to hear what I got to say. And they said, well, what do you have to say? And I said, well, I didn't get in this business to speak. I was thrust into this environment because of my writings, because, you know, of, of, of what I did because of my books. 
And I said, you never go into a business. You never do it for the money. And that's not me. That's Steve Jobs. That's not Steve Jobs. That's Bill Gates. He said, you know, you know, what does Steve Jobs say? You know, you don't do it for the money. Never build a business. You build a movement. Mm -hmm. And at that particular point, Constance, I went one by one of because of that book, Thinking for Richard Black Choice, the lives have impacts. I told yeah. them, I told them, I said, when Think and Grow Rich, a black choice was published in 1991, I said, I told them, I said, Les Brown had been speaking for five years. Mm. I told them it took me seven years to write that book. I said, I had a presentation up in New York. And after the presentation, I was, you know, I had my table and they were coming by. Folks were coming by and getting books. And here was a young lady. African-American, black young lady, self-esteem, questionable. Her self-image so low, she couldn't even make eye contact with me. And she spoke very softly. And she said, Dr. Kimbrough, I'm, I got your book, and, and I'm going to read your book cover to cover. And I got a dream. I got a vision. I said, sweetheart, what's your dream? What's your vision? She said, I'm, I, I want to be just like you. I'm, I want to write a book, and, and I want to speak. But I don't know if anybody will ever, you know, read my book. I don't know if anybody will listen to me if I speak. And I said, don't you think that way, young lady? I said, you're going to write books, and they're going to be bestsellers, and you will be shocked at the people that will come out to hear you speak. You believe so, Dr. Kimber? I said, yes. I said, now, you want me to autograph this book? I said, yeah, let me, I'll spell my name for you because a lot of people mispronunciate my name. Are you ready? I said, yes, I'm ready. Give it to me. She said, I-Y-A-N-L. Mm. I said, Ayanla? She said, yes, Ayanla Van Zandt. Mm, amazing. Couldn't even make eye contact. When wow. My when my second book came out, what a you know, story! Yeah, daily motivations for African American success. In the first page in that book, the last words on that first page in the book: a setback as a setup for a comeback. Willie Jolly gets a copy of it. He's bouncing off the ceiling. He calls me up. He says, "I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to use that as the title." I said, "Go for it, Willie." Here I am. I'm grading papers in my class, and a student. Uh, you know, says when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, you'll find the keys to the kingdom. And he attributes that quote to Eric Thomas. Mm -hmm. And there I am in front of the class. And I said, let me tell you something, young man. I said, Eric Thomas was at the end of his rope. He was eating out of trash cans. He had no direction in his life. He was homeless, sleeping in cars. And a close friend saw his life in the direction it was taking and gave him a copy of Think and Grow Rich or Black Choice. Mm. Eric, Eric Thomas devoured that book, never put it down. It was never out of his possession. And he personally fell in love with a story that I told on page 86. And on page 86 was the story of an African guru, a young warrior who was searching for the keys of the kingdom. And this guru lived in a hut right next to a lake. And he took that warrior out deeper and deeper into the lake and held his head underneath that water until he damn near drowned. At the last minute, he pulled his head up and he says, you old fool, are you trying to drown me? He says, no. He says, but let me ask you one question. When you were submerged, what is the one thing you wanted more than anybody else? He said, you old fool, I wanted to breathe. He said, when you want success as bad as you want to breathe, you'll find the keys to the kingdom. Eric Thomas sent me a nice letter that I have on a book right behind me. I don't have time to read it mm -hmm. telling me how that particular story changed his life.
Amazing. Build a movement. And that's what I've done. George Frazier writes his first book, you know, Success Runs in Our Race. And see, Constance, I was on tour for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. When I say I was on tour, I mean, I was all over the world. I mean, I was on the top TV shows, radio shows. And what I did, I took notes with both hands. I kept my console wherever I was. I kept a file. And after a year and a half, that file looked like a New York City phone book. It was big, thick. I had the names. I had the phone numbers of producers, the contact people, their address, blah, blah, blah. I don't care whether it was a Today Show, Larry King, you name it, whatever. And when George Frazier comes out with the book, he calls me up and he says, I don't know where to start. I said, this is where you start. I placed that document in his hand and the rest. Mm. Wow. I did not know that. Oh, my goodness. And people don't and people don't need to know that. But I I understand. Build build a movement. Yeah, the wealth is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and everything. But whose life have you impacted? Who did you pass the baton on to? And see, here's the thing, Constance, it wasn't easy. I mean, go get a copy of Think and Grow with Your Black Choice and look to see who endorsed that book. Right before the book was about to be published, Random House says, Dennis, you've got to find some endorsers. And I said, OK, no problem. And they flew me to Minnesota and they sent, sent me there for two days to sit down with Harvey McKay. Now, Harvey McKay, he was he was top of the pecking order at that time. His business, his business books at that time were number one in the world. And he just came out with Beware the Naked Man Who Offers You a Shirt. And he says, Dennis, uh, come to my office. I'm going to place you in a room and I want you to come up with minimum 40 names of individuals who you want to endorse the book. Don't worry how we're going to reach them. Don't worry how we're going to contact them. You just give up the, the names and the rest will be history. So I spent, you know, a half a day and I came up with names. Now, Constance, you got to go back. This is the late 1980s, right before the book was about to be released in 1991. Think back in the black community who were all the movers and shakers at that time. Uh-huh. Those were the individuals whose names were on that list of 40. You ready for this, Constance? I'm ready. Not one would endorse the book. Mm. Not one would endorse the book. Why? Because I talked about capitalism, that, hey, man, capitalism isn't a bad word. It just means everything is for sale, man. Don't poo-poo capitalism. we got to grow businesses. we got to think about entrepreneurship. we got to blah, 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 this, that, and everything. And, you know, the rest was history. So that's why Robert Schuler endorsed my book, and his name is there. Yeah. After Lou Holtz brought me in, I said, would you endorse the book? He said, sure. That's why his name is on that list. Mm. Well, but you know, you're still so passionate and focused on your work. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I'm interviewing you now and you're still so passionate. I know focus and passion is just one of the principles. So even mm-hmm. after all of these decades, because this is your calling and purpose, is that why you, you feel like you're still so focused and passionate? No, it's, I, I know what I've been sent here to do. And I told you in a previous story, I knew what I was going to do a junior undergrad at University of Oklahoma when I read Milton Friedman's book, Capitalism and Freedom, and how I got a chance to get that book. I don't know if I shared this story with you. No, tell us. My junior year of college, my parents were broke. 
I told you, my mother was a nanny. Uh, my father worked for the federal government. We didn't, we didn't have any money, blah, blah, blah. And we just ran out of money. And I didn't have money to buy my books. I was a capable student. My fraternity brothers, they called me the professor because I was always had a book under my arm. I was always in the library. Anybody want to find, where's Kimbrough? Oh, man, he's in the lab. He's in study hall. He's blah, 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 and this, that, and everything. Well, my junior year, we ran out of cash, and I was $500 short from my tuition, and I didn't have money for books. And lo and behold, I said, let me go see the dean, the white gentleman. There, I mean, there, you only had like 300 African-American students at the University of Oklahoma at the time out of, what, 27,000. I said, mm. let me go see this, man. What in the world can happen? Now, Constance, this is before equal opportunity. This is before diversity. This is before EEOC. There was none of that. And so I walked into his office and I said, Dean, I said, I can't study under this pressure. I can't study with this type of financial burden. I, can't, I don't even have money for my tuition. I don't have money for my books. And he had my transcript and he knew I was going to graduate on time and I was a capable student. And he called in his receptionist and he dictated the letter to her and she typed it up right there. And she typed it up. He put his billing code on there and he signed it. He put it in an envelope, put the envelope in my hand. And he said, young man, you go in that bookstore and you buy anything that you want. Mm. I, I bought my books. And there I saw that Milton Friedman's new book, he was an economist, he taught at the University of Chicago, and he came out with a new book, and he said, buy any book that you want. I said, I want this, and I bought it. That book had a profound impact on my life. He talked about choice. We as individuals have choice and capitalism. And what is capitalism? What does it truly mean? It means to use your head. And I was blown away. And I told, you know, that just stayed on my mind. The next year I got married. I told my wife what I wanted to do. I said, I want to go to graduate school. I want to get my doctorate and blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know, we started from, we had two children right off the best. Well, let's do it now while the girls are young. So they won't know what hit them financially. Mm -hmm got it over with and this that and the rest is history but a lot of that comes from the fact of my wife too because when i told her when i got my doctorate and i and my professors told me when you fit when you write your dissertation don't write it in an area in which only two or three people are going to read it look at it as your first book and when i was granted the phd and i told my wife i said this is going to be my first book but i gotta have data and she said what type of data do you need and i said face-to-face -face interviews and she said well go ahead and get started and i said pat you don't understand i mean it's going to be cost it's going to be travel it's going to be lodging blah 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 she said no go ahead get started the money will will some way come and if it wasn't for her urging yeah. me to get started i mean even even times when she saw me you know taking a break about she said you need to get back and refocus because Constance, after I met W. Clement Stone and he gave me Napoleon Hill's last manuscript, it was only it was nearly three months before I wrote a word. Mm. She said, she said, when are you going to get busy? I said, well, you know, I'm working on my own book. I'm not feeling this. She said, well, well you promised them and you need to keep your word and you need to tell them something. They think that you're working on that book and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, okay. And so I wrote 90 pages. I told you the story. I wrote 90 pages and I sent it to the foundation. They took one look at those 90 pages, threw it in the trash. I said, no mm. problem. Then this time I wrote 125 pages, overnighted it, spent money that I didn't have. They opened up the envelope. 
the three of them, including W. Clement Stone, read it, threw that in the trash. Wow. And then, yep, yep, back-to-back times, they threw my work in the trash. And here's the thing. I got a phone call from the executive director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Mike Ritt, and he said, Dennis, we received your, your writings, and you're an excellent writer. We, we love your writing, but you got us a do, do, you got to do us a big favor. And I said, what is that? And they said, take your doctor, take your PhD, put it on a shelf. You won't need it for this assignment. I said, what do you mean? I said, what do you mean? He said, we want you to write this book as if you're writing a letter to a friend. Wow. And in other words, we want the book to be timeless. See, and, and there's the whole thinking was, yeah. you're not, you're not just writing it for a customer today. Constance, I got people coming up to me as, you know, signing books as if the book was released yesterday. Two days ago, I'm walking down campus and this gentleman comes by to me and said, man, I've been looking for you, blah, blah, blah. He extends his hand. I didn't know him from Adam. He just went to the bookstore and bought a copy of Think and Grow Rich. He said, man, this book is the bomb, man. This book, blah, blah. I said, brother, that book is almost 27 years old. Wow. But it's timeless. Wow. And that's what they wanted. And they used the word, we want this seamless. You know, it's almost like it's called the, the Bible. The, the Bible is called the proof text. Why? You can't go back any further than that. Either you believe it or you don't. And the Bible is seamless. Whether, whether you know, you give it to a five-year-old child or a 95-year-old woman, I don't care what book you open into, whether it's John, Luke, or the Gospels, whatever, there's food for you on that page. Wherever you are in your development, it is seamless. It is timeless. And that's what they wanted. Wow. They wanted, you know, already right, pick up TGR, Black Choice, or even the original Think and Grow Rich. Whether you look at the, the first principle or you look at, you know, cosmic happenstance, sex transmutation. I mean, you, here you got Napoleon Hill talking about sex transmutation, Constance. I mean, I think, think, think about that. What is he saying? When you don't control your sexual energy, people get hurt. People get hurt. In terms of the relationships, people get hurt in terms of emotions, people get hurt in terms of physical abuse when you don't control your sexual habits. But there's a deeper meaning. I mean, when the Bible says thou shall not commit adultery, why did they use the term adultery? I mean, write the word adultery and look at the root adult. A-D-U-L-T. Well, constantly sooner or later, you got to be the grown up in the room. Yeah. Sooner, sooner or later, you've got to act your age instead of your shoe size, as Prince says. Sooner or later, you got to be the individual who has no problem saying the word no. That's, That's powerful. That is powerful, man. I mean, these guys were ahead of the time, man. Sexual transmutation. Wow. Every time I read that, you know, that's just so amazing. So, Dr. Kimbrough, for listeners who have not read your book, give us your website. How can we find the movie? <laughs> yada, 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 yada. What's the next page in your life? What you're doing next, et cetera. Go ahead. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, next phase of my life, I'm working on book six and I'm looking at icons, man. Those businesses, organizations, people that we call iconic. And I found seven principles of the iconic and number number well i'm not going to tell you all the i can't principles wait to right read yet. it when well, is it coming yeah, out yeah, uh, well i'm still I'm, I'm i'm still working on it give me give me a little bit of time okay but no, number one is that they are relentless 
relentless behavior, pursuit of perfection and of excellence. But number seven, I will tell you what number okay. seven is. Number seven is remember when they laughed. Hmm. Remember when they laughed, when they told you you were crazy, when they said nonsense, it won't work, and when they scoffed, when they ridiculed. All these individuals had that moment when somebody else laughed. Mm-hmm. I don't care who they were. They laughed. They said, man, come on, man, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'm working on now. www.denniskimbro.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You can hit me up. I'm on Instagram. I am on all those forms of social media. I would love to hear you. I am so grateful that anybody would even pick up something that I wrote. I am just blessed beyond being blessed. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, come on the show again. And I love your wife, Pat. Every time I call, she's like, this is his cell phone, Constance. She's so sweet and a great support. So you can tell her that I said that. I will and, <laughs> and I just appreciate you, your work, your passion, and your focus. And uh, all I can say is God bless you. Continue oh, to bless you. I, I love you so much. You take care. You call me anytime. <laughs> okay, everybody. So uh, make sure you listen every week. And as I say every week, you may not know it or feel it, but the love of God surrounds you. You know that I'm crazy about you and believe in you. And you need to think and say this every day. Something good is going to happen to me and through me today. Make it a great week. Thank you for listening to Think, Believe, and Manifest. Constance Arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you. For more information, please visit fulfillingyourpurpose.com.